Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives, and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. I will note that I am using a new microphone today. It is actually a wireless microphone that sits on my desktop. So if you have any feedback on that, uh, do let me know if you're noticing a difference for the worse and we'll make any adjustments we need to. I do want to encourage you to check out our other podcast. In particular, uh, I want to mention my World War II podcast, The War. This was a podcast that we did back in 2013 uh, and 2014. If you are into World War II and want a really deep dive into history and experience, it through radio. We did this series where we took a lot of different types of radio programs, put them in kind of chronological as well as thematic order to create a narrative of the war through radio, through music, through comedy, through drama, through news programs. And you can listen to all of those at thewar.greatdetectives.net. And you can find all the podcasts we do over at the website at greatdetectives.net. Well, now it is time for this week's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, where we'll be playing the first two episodes of the serial today and the last three episodes on Friday. The original air dates are February 27th and 28th, 1956, and it's the Fathom 5 Matter episodes 1 and 2. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Ralph Steedler, Johnny. Delta Liability. Oh, hiya, Ralph. What's on your mind? Poetry, you Philistine. Hmm? The bard's immortal words. Which words? Full fathom five thy father lies. Of his bones are corals made. And those... Those are pearls that were his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> What's the case, Ralph? Robbery? A pearl necklace? Ah, uh, life insurance. $75,000 worth of bones. Down on the bottom of the deep blue sea. Or so they say. So who say? The insured's wife. The insured's best friend. Oh, they're quite positive about it. But you're not, is that it? Johnny, if I'm going to be stuck for 75 Gs, at least I ought to get the straight dope, shouldn't I? All right, I'll get it for you. Give me the who and where. It happened in Miami Beach. Check with the DA's office there. The insured was a man named William Markey. And the beneficiary? His wife, poor wretch. Oh, you're biased, Ralph. Sure, I'm paying alimony. So look it over, Johnny, and keep in touch. Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Home Office, Delta Liability, Hartford, Connecticut... The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Fathom Five matter. 
Item one, $143.40. Transportation, tips, and incidentals, Hartford to Miami. Purpose of assignment, aside from a chance to get a look at the sun, to check into the death of one William Markey, or to find out if there was a death, and how it happened, and where was the body, and if not, why not, and if so, how? Or rather, to determine... Well, anyway, the deputy investigator from the DA's office, a man named Barney Wilson, was at least as confused as I was, and he'd had a two-day head start. Now, we're going on the assumption, of course, that the man is dead. But legally, you understand, the fact hasn't yet been established. Meaning exactly what, Mr. Wilson? Well, it's pretty strong evidence, but no corpus delicti. Not so far, anyway. Maybe you'd better start at the beginning. And that would be where, Mr. Donner? How much do you know about the case? Well, uh, very little. Mm -hmm. The dead man, if he is dead, was named William Markey... He was uh, 46 years old, yeah. owner of a consulting engineering firm in New York. Mm-hmm. He'd been married to his present wife for three years. Her age is 30, mm-hmm. and she's the beneficiary of his insurance. And, I might add, a charming and lovely young woman. They've been on here for about a month. And three days ago, Marky was killed, or allegedly killed, in an accident. That's right. Drowned, as I understand it, when a fishing launch sank a mile or two offshore. And then... Well, you can take it from there, Mr. Wilson. Now... Your responsibility in the case is primarily to the insurance company. Is that right, Mr. Donner? Entirely, not primarily. Why, what do you mean? And it would be to the company's advantage if Marky's death were not legally established, huh? (laughs) They wouldn't have to pay the claim, if that's what you mean. Then it's reasonable to suppose, since the whole case is uh, pretty vague at present, that your efforts will be devoted to creating doubts as to whether Marky is really dead. Mr. Wilson... I think it's reasonable to suppose that I can't very well answer your questions without knowing exactly what has happened. Uh Well, all right, then. Briefly, this is it. Apparently, Marky came down here to bid on a construction job, a manufacturing plant. He didn't get the job. But he stayed on, he and his wife and the young fellow that was with him. What young fellow? Name of Danny Haynes. He worked for Marky, a draftsman, an engineer. Evidently a personal friend of the Marky's. Oh, the three of them took a house down the beach south and spent all their time together, nightclubbing one thing and another. I see. Anyhow, well, three days ago, Marky and young Haynes went out fishing together, hired a charter boat, a small cabin cruiser named the Fathom Five, and headed south along the coast, working the offshore banks. Whose idea was the trip? Marky's, according to young Haynes. In fact, all the rest of the story is according to Haynes. Nobody else saw what happened. And what did happen? Well, Haynes says they anchored off the reef and both of them fished from the dinghy for a while. Then Marky decided he'd go back to the cruiser and fix some breakfast. Mm -hmm. Haynes put him aboard and took the dinghy out alone. He says he fished along the reef for about 30 minutes before he looked back and saw the cruiser was afire. It was nearly a mile away, according to his story, and by the time he got back, the boat was a pillar of flame. He didn't see any sign of Marky? No, he says not. He couldn't get aboard because of the flames, and uh, a few minutes later, the cruiser sank. Mm -hmm. No one else saw it? There were no other boats around? No, it was early morning, and there weren't many others out. It had rained during the night, and there was a fairly heavy fog. They were only a mile and a half or so offshore, so Haynes rode in with a dinghy and reported it. Mm -hmm. Tell me, what was the depth of the ocean where the cruiser sank? Oh, it was only about 50 feet. I've got a salvage company working now to raise it. Get a diver down? Yes, but he didn't find out much. He couldn't get inside the hole. That's about the size of it, huh? Mm Mm-hmm, it is. 
until they get that cruiser raised so we can take a look at it. And, of course, it may not tell us a thing. Mm. What about the currents along the reef where that boat went down? Oh, they're pretty bad. Strong and erratic. A body could be carried through the reefs and on out to sea and never be found. Well, I was uh, thinking more of the possibility of a good swimmer getting into shore. You said they were anchored only a mile and a half out. Yes, well, it's possible, but not very probable. You'd have been seen by Haynes or somebody else. There was a heavy fog, wasn't there? Mm-hmm, fairly heavy. And, of course, Haynes could be lying. Maybe he did see him. I said it was possible. But that's not the line I'm planning to take, Mr. Dollar. So I get it. They'll bring that hull to the surface sometime tomorrow. Now, maybe we'll have some evidence then. Or maybe Marky's body will turn up in the next 48 hours. And if not? Then, Mr. Dollar, I will petition the probate court to declare him legally dead. I suppose you've got some reason for all this, Rush. Yes. I want the fact of death established in order to file a murder charge. Danny Haynes? Who else? It's the old, old story, isn't it? Two men go out and only one comes back. Unwitnessed accident. Nothing new about it. No, no. And it's never been an easy one to prove. Well, it'll be a lot tougher a year from now if you people put up a fight and force the decision up to the Superior Court. Suppose Haynes himself fights I wish he'd try. Be the next thing to an admission of guilt. Oh, Mrs. Markey... She has legal status in the case. She could do it, but she won't. Yeah, you're probably right. She wouldn't be likely to throw away $75,000. Well, I can't tell you what we'll do yet, Mr. Wilson. I'll have to look around first, talk to the people involved, get my feet on the ground. Mm, fine. Well, you just do that. Here, I'll give you the addresses. Oh, good. Mrs. Markey's still at the beach house. Young Haynes has moved into a hotel near there. All right, thanks. Say... How did the three of them get along during the month they've been here? Like peas in a pod, from all appearances. Of uh, course, what was going on behind the scenes might have been another story. <laughs> it usually is. I think that's where we'll find the motive. Not that Mrs. Markey encouraged Haynes at all. She's a fine woman. I know, and she's beautiful. And this is the South. How's that? So long, Mr. Wilson. I'll keep in touch. <laughs> Expense account item two, $3.35. Telegram to Hartford requesting an investigation of the Markey firm's financial status both currently and over the past three years. And a similar check of Markey's personal financial status. Item three, $4.10. Taxi to the Pompano Beach Hotel to talk with the DA's prime suspect, Danny Haynes. Look, Mr. Dollar, I've been over the whole thing with the police a half a dozen times. I'd still like to ask you a few questions if you don't mind. They've got the whole story, all I know about it. They had a stenographer to take it down. Why don't you go to them with your questions? Well, maybe I got different questions. I told them everything I know about Look, it. Look, Danny, you don't have to talk to me, but if you're smart, you will. Why so? Because the police already have their minds made up, or at least Barney Wilson has. Sure. He's out to prove I killed Mr. Markey. Well, look, my mind isn't made up yet, so you can't lose anything by talking to me. Unless, of course, you did kill him. It happened exactly the way I told him. All right, what do you want to know? How long did you work for Markey? Two years. You get along with him all right? Sure. It was a good job, no complaints. You got to be pretty close personal friends, I understand. Well, I used to go to their apartment in New York once or twice a week for dinner, drinks. And then the three of you came down here together on a vacation. It wasn't a vacation. Mr. Markey came down to bid on a job. Did he need you along for that? Well, he thought there might be some sketches or plans to draw up. And were there? Well, no. As it turned out, they weren't necessary. Hmm. Funny, Marky wouldn't know that ahead of time, being an engineer. Well, actually, it was sort of Edna's suggestion of Mrs. Markey, I mean. 
I see. Yeah, now I see. Now look, don't get the idea there's been anything between us. She's been swell to me. She's... Well, she's just wonderful, that's all. All right, all right. So the three of you came down on business, and within a few days, the job contract was awarded to another firm, but you still stayed on for three more weeks. That was Marky's idea. I don't know why, exactly. I know he'd counted a lot on getting that job, but I was getting a free vacation. Why should I argue? So all of you just relaxed and lived it up, huh? Yeah, that's about it. Mr. Marky, too? No apparent worries on his mind? Well, he was moody sometimes. Went off by himself. But that wasn't too unusual. He was like that quite a lot. He and his wife seem to be getting along, all right? Sure. As far as I noticed, why? Well, let's talk about that accident for a minute, Danny. Whose idea was it to go on the fishing trip? Mr. Markey's. He woke me up at five in the morning, said he'd already phoned and hired the boat. The Fathom Five? Yeah, the same one we'd had a couple of times before. Mm -hmm. Well, I wasn't much for it. It was misting out with a heavy fog, but he was real hot on the idea, and I couldn't very well argue he was the boss. Was Mrs. Markey up when you left? No, but she knew we were going. She'd packed a lunch. I guess they'd talked about it the night before. All right, she took the boat out then and followed the reef south, and what happened? Well, we anchored as close as we could get to the reef and went out in the dinghy for about an hour. No luck at all. Then Mr. Markey decided he'd go back on board and fix something to eat. Mm -hmm. I let him off and then rowed back along the reef. I figured as long as I'd had to come, I might as well try for a strike or two at least. And a while after that, I looked back and saw the cruiser was on fire. Was it still foggy then? Yeah, about the same. I could just see the glow. I couldn't even be sure what it was until I got close. I tried to get on board, but the flames were too high. I kept yelling, but there was nobody around. And you didn't see or hear any sign of Marky? No, I guess he was already dead. Then, not more than five minutes later, the cruiser sank. Yeah. Danny, do you have any theory as to what caused the fire? Well, there was a hot plate on board. A gasoline pressure rig. It was an old one in pretty bad shape. We'd talked about it before. I think it may have leaked into the bulkheads in the bilge. And when Mr. Markey went to light it to fix breakfast, the whole boat just went up in flames. I see. Tell me something, Danny. Do you think Markey could have committed suicide? Suicide? Why? For what reason? Oh, maybe losing that contract. You said it was pretty important to him. Or maybe he thought he was losing his wife. What do you mean? Well, maybe he misinterpreted your friendship with her, Danny. You're crazy. You're in love with her, aren't you? That's my business. I told you there was nothing between us. All right, all right. But did Marky know that? Look, you're the same age she is, and he was 15 years older. A man like that might get to wondering... Knock it off, Dollar. Nobody's private life is going to be dragged into this. You better stop and think, Danny. Well, you've still got time. A defendant in a murder trial doesn't have any private life. Johnny Dollar. Barney Wilson, Mr. Dollar, special deputy with the DA's office. I understand you talked to Danny Haynes. You've got a good grave mind, Mr. Wilson. Oh, tolerable. Well, what do you think? Well, I'll go about six to five. He hasn't murdered anybody. Oh, uh, well, that's close to even money. So you're not too sure, huh? No, I'm not too sure. But then I'm not even sure yet that Marky is dead, remember? Well, maybe we can settle that question this evening. What do you mean? The salvage boys have finally got grapple lines on that boat. They figured to bring it up to the surface around 8 o'clock. I'm going out in one of the harbor launches. You'd like to come along? My company's got a 75 grand stake in this. Sure, I'd like to come along. All right. You meet me at Harbor Police Headquarters at 7.30. I'll be there. Good. 
I'll introduce you to the late William Markey. Somehow, I sort of doubt that, Mr. Wilson. From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Home Office, Delta Liability, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Phantom Five matter. Location, Miami, Florida. Expense account continued. Item six, $3.85. Taxi fare to the Markey Beach House, occupied for the past three days now by his wife since William Markey's accidental death. According to all reports, a very beautiful woman. The reports were correct. Won't you come in, Mr. Dollar? Thank you. Come this way. I've been practically living in here in the study since... I just haven't had the heart to even look at the rest of the house. Yes, I, uh, I imagine it's been quite a shock for you, Mrs. Markey. Yes, terrible. No one knows. Sit down, Mr. Dollar. Thank you. I, uh, I really don't know very much about these matters. If there are papers to sign, maybe I should have a lawyer or something. No, that won't be necessary for the present. There's nothing to sign. But aren't you with the insurance company? I'm working for them at the moment as a special investigator. Oh. I'm to supply them with a full report of your husband's accident. They have to have that before they can do anything about paying off the policy. Well, couldn't the police give you all that? And there's a Mr. Wilson, I think his name is, who's with the district I've attorney's I've talked office. to Mr. Wilson. He's cooperating in every way possible. But uh, some of the details I have to get from you. Have you talked with Danny Haynes? Yes. Well, didn't he tell you what happened? He gave me a statement, yes. But only covering the details he actually knew about. Well, I'm sure there's nothing I can add, Mr. Dollar. I, I wasn't even there, as you know, of course. I know, Mrs. Markey. I'll get all of those details elsewhere. But then I don't see why you've well, come out uh, here. Well, I'd, I'd like to know a few things about your husband. Things you'd know better than anybody else. Uh, his actions and behavior during the last few weeks. His uh, mental attitude. I see. You think maybe he committed suicide, is that it? I don't think anything. I'm just trying to find out. But that's what you're driving at. Suicide. It's a possibility, of course. And, of course, your company isn't liable, I suppose, if it's oh, suicide. it'd still be liable, but only to the extent of $25,000 under the particular terms of the policy, not 75000 I see. Is that all, Mr. Dollar? I don't think you do see. Look, I'm not claiming it was suicide. I, I have no reason to think it was. But these questions are going to be raised by the claims board when they meet to consider settlement. And they're not going to pay out any money until they have the answers. So that's why I'm here, Mrs. Markey, to get those answers ahead of time. Now, you can help or you can hinder. But I think you ought to realize that you'll be mainly hindering yourself. It was not suicide. Bill wasn't that kind. You didn't know him. I resent your implication, Mr. Dollar. He'd never do a thing like that. I said I have no reason to believe that he did. Uh, please forgive me. I guess I'm sort of living in a state of shock. I'm not like this, really. Suspicious, belligerent. Well, sure, I understand, and I'm, I'm sorry to have to bother you this way, but there are certain questions... I know, I know. These things have to be done. It's all right. Would you like a drink, Mr. Dollar? Mm, not unless you're having one. Yes, I think I would like something. In that case, I'll have a scotch on the rocks, please. Oh, here, let me fix them. Thank you. Make mine the same. I guess it was the mention of suicide that set me off. Bill and I were married for three years. We were completely happy every minute of it. Nobody in the world had less reason than Bill to do a thing like that. What about financial problems? None that I knew about. 
Did you work before your marriage, Mrs. Markey? I was an entertainer. Chorus? Yes. I suppose that gives you the usual impression. <laughs> well, do I seem like a visiting fireman? No, but... I just thought you might have been a dancer because you carry yourself so well. Lithe and graceful. Well, I, I've been away from it for quite some time. It doesn't show. Here's your drink. Thank you. Maybe it'll help me relax a little. I think it might. Uh, tell me, Mrs. Markey, how did your husband and young Haynes get along? Well, that should be obvious. We brought him down here with us. Had him living here in the house for a month. But I, uh, I understood that was primarily your idea. Who said that? Did you suggest bringing Haynes along, or was it your husband? Well, I, I might have. I don't remember how it came up now, but Bill was all for it. Otherwise, he'd have put his foot down. Any possibility that he resented Haynes' presence but kept it to himself? not. Why should he? I don't know. Well, if you're trying to imply something... I'm not. I'm just asking. I understood your husband had spells of brooding during the last few weeks, and I was trying to find out the reason for it. If he did, I'm sure I didn't notice it. What are Danny Haynes' feelings towards you? I think you're pretty insulting. I wasn't intending to be. Well, what would you call it? Just another routine question. I wasn't meaning to imply that you encouraged him in any way. I certainly didn't. But he's young, impetuous. You're very attractive. Maybe he cooked up crazy notions without any encouragement. He thought of me as a friend, that's all. No attitudes on his part that your husband might have misinterpreted. I don't believe I care to answer any more questions like these, Mr. Dollar. Look, I'm not just asking them for my own pleasure, Mrs. Markey. I I'd a lot rather not ask them, but, but I've got a job to do. Well, I fail to see why it's necessary to probe into our private lives. All right, I'll tell you why. Your husband supposedly died out there beyond the surf when a cruiser burned and sank. You mean supposedly? His body hasn't been recovered, so at present the evidence of his death is purely circumstantial. In fact, there isn't much evidence one way or another. But who could possibly doubt it? The insurance company will doubt it, Mrs. Markey. And they'll hold up processing any claim for payment until one of two things happens. Until I turn up sufficient proof of death to convince them, or until a court declares your husband legally dead. I didn't realize... Barney Wilson from the DA's office, for reasons of his own, is going to file for an immediate court decision. I'm pretty sure of that as... But as things stand now, my company will fight it. And with no more evidence than Wilson has, they'll be able to fight it successfully. But all those questions, what was the point? What were you driving at? Your husband's death had to result from one of three possible causes. One, an accident. Two, suicide. Three, murder. Murder? But the, the, there, was, there was no one with him except... Do you mean Danny? That's one possibility. One out of three. Oh, no. I've no reason at the moment to give it any more weight than the other two. But there is one thing certain, Mrs. Markey. In view of the circumstances, not one cent of insurance is going to be paid until one of those causes is proved. But what can I do? I don't know anything about it. Maybe you don't. Or maybe there's something you've forgotten, don't think is important. Or something you haven't wanted to talk about. I don't know, of course. But it might be worth thinking about. It was nearly dark when I left the house, and I wouldn't have noticed the man standing under a palm tree by the driveway if he hadn't made a sudden move to get out of sight. Then when I walked toward him, he scurried out of the drive and slipped into a car parked at the street. I could see it was an old model, but I couldn't identify the make. I caught the last three numbers on the license plate before it disappeared around a bend. I couldn't quite figure it. It might have been Haynes, or some ghoulish swindler who was scared off when he saw the widow wasn't alone. The numbers were 642.
Expense account item seven, $3.75. Taxi back to my hotel. Item eight, six dollars and a quarter. Dinner and incidentals there. And item nine, a dollar and forty cents. Taxi again to the waterfront headquarters of the harbor police. Thirty minutes later, I was in a police launch with Deputy Agent Barney Wilson, several miles down the coast, skimming across the water toward a bright cluster of spotlights where a salvage barge was working into the night to raise the burned hulk of the charter cruiser Fathom 5. You still got your mind set the same way, Mr. Dollar? What way was that? That there hasn't been any death or any murder? Oh, come now, Mr. Wilson. You're mistaking an honest scientific skepticism for a set of mine. Well, that's very pretty, Mr. Dollar. What does it mean? Well, I haven't taken any definite position yet. But I've got to see more evidence before I'll consider proof of death to be established without a question. That means you'll file a demurrer against a declaration by the courts, huh? It's not up to me. It's up to the company. But I can tell you right now that if you petition, they'll move to block it. You have no real evidence, Mr. Wilson. I'm getting it, though, piece by piece. The sea is starting to give up its prey, Mr. Dollar. What do you mean? The boys found a shoe late this afternoon, washed up in the surf, just about where you'd expect to find it if it had been carried in by the current. Identifiable? From the same New York shop that Marky's other shoes came from. Same size, same style. Well, it's something, all right, but it's still not conclusive. Well, what do you ask, that Marky walks up and tells you he's dead? No, no, I guess I'd settle for just seeing him that way. Oh, by the way, I wonder if you could have an auto license checked for me, a partial license on a used car, Florida plates... The last three numbers are 642. Well, it might take a while with no more than that to go on. Well, I've got an idea the car may have been purchased within the last three weeks or so. Maybe that'll narrow it down. You got an idea it may mean something? Look, I have no idea at all. I'm just playing the hunches. But it's about time something in this case started meaning something. We edged the launch up the side of the barge, tied up to a stanchion, and climbed on deck. The power winches on the derricks were still grinding away, and the sunken hull of the burned cruiser was nearing the surface. A crew of men waited with salvage pontoons, ready to float the supporting cradle into place as soon as the waterlogged hulk was raised. Wilson and I stood by the rail, watching, not talking, wondering, I suppose, what answers the wreck might supply us with. The taut steel cables inched their way slowly up from the depths, and finally the boat itself broke the surface of the water. Then the men moved in with the pontoons, and other crew members dropped a suction hose into the water-filled hull and started a pump to empty. Finally, the whole thing was high enough so we could see that the cabin and the deck were badly burned, almost destroyed. But strangely enough, the hull itself seemed to be undamaged. Then Wilson and I both noticed something at the same time, a solid column of water spouting from a round hole near the keel of the boat, and we both realized what it meant. Look, Dollar! Look there. Somebody opened the seacocks. Somebody left them wide open. So one thing is certain. It wasn't an accident. She was sunk deliberately. That's exactly what I've been trying to tell you right from the start. Huh? William Markey was murdered. Now, here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's intriguing episode of this week's story. Tomorrow, a photograph, a silver cup, a harried widow, and the dead begin to stir with life. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by Les Crutchfield, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for the next exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. This is Roy Rowan speaking. Welcome back. Of course, Barty Wilson overstates his case a little bit. In the dramatic conclusion of episode two, it's not definitively murder. It's just not an accident. Suicide, as well as insurance fraud, I think both have to be in play here. Of course, as usual, Barney Phillips doing a great job. He really has a solid handle on these sort of police foil roles, as well as the various uh, sheriffs he's played in Tales of the Texas Rangers. Listener comments and feedback now, and we start on YouTube. Kate writes, enjoyable. Glad your channel is here. Well, thank you, Kate. And then we have a comment... Uh, this one comes from uh, Poor Shane. Love the serials. Listening again has put an idea in my head, though. Multiple incarnations with different personalities, but similar enough to stay the same person? Is Johnny Dollar a Time Lord? Keep up the good work. Well, thanks so much. I don't know if I would go with that. Of course, uh, in Doctor Who, you've got the regenerations and different actors uh, play the Doctor after he has regenerated or become a new person. I, I wouldn't consider that to apply to Johnny Dollar. It, it would, I, I consider it probably more of a James Bond sort of thing where they change actors and the character has more adventures and continues to go on. The one sort of sci-fi Johnny Dollar idea I had is that each of the Johnny Dollars uh, portrayed on the radio are from parallel Earths, which would explain things like Charles Russell's Johnny Dollar saying he was in the Army, and Bob Bailey's Johnny Dollar saying he was in the Marines, and O'Brien as Johnny Dollar saying he'd been a Pinkerton man, and Bailey saying he'd been on the NYPD. And it also explained why they encountered the same cases, like when Lund and O'Brien, or Lund and Bailey, would work very similar cases. And I had the idea of 
putting a sci-fi novel together where they would all meet, but I've not gotten into any finer plot details for that. And to be honest, it's the type of thing where if you were going to actually do it, you would need to figure out who you could license uh, the character from if that needed to be done. And it's also, yeah, it would be a lot of work. And a lot of time I don't uh, have quite now. But I've, I've had that science fiction of thought of doing a parallel Johnny Dollar story. But I doubt I will ever get to it. And then we turn to some new reviews from the Apple Podcast Store. And we start with Frogs and Lily Pads writes, I have been listening to this podcast for over 10 years. I know there are other old-time radio podcasts, and I've even downloaded some of the Audible collections, but Adam is so true to the original playtimes, and his thorough research of actors and shows makes it so much more enjoyable. I love the way he organizes each show so I can go back and binge my favorites like Barry Craig or Candy Matson. I like that he leaves the commercials intact. They reveal so much of the era. My kids are grown now, but when they were little, they always heard me belt out where we take better care of your car. And today, uh, they know what that means when they see pictures of old standard gas stations in businesses around Portland. Anyway, truly grateful for Adam uh, and that he has been able to share his passion with others. And then we have a review from TJ. I really love this podcast. The content and audio quality of the shows presented in this podcast is very good. But unlike other podcasts which broadcast old radio shows, the host, Adam Graham, makes them come alive. I really enjoy his commentary and insight into each episode. If you are looking for a podcast for old-time radio shows, this is number one on my list. Well done, Adam. And then... uh uh, another review, a great podcast. I subscribe to several podcasts that focus on old-time radio, but none compares to the various offerings featuring Adam Graham as the host. He carefully curates all episodes and gives such great insights and information for each show. If I had to listen to only one podcaster, it would be Adam Graham. You will not be disappointed. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your kind words. And, uh, you're taking time to leave those uh, really great reviews. However you communicate your feedback, it's always really important and uh, appreciated. But Apple Podcast Reviews have a very special impact. Beyond people who use the Apple app, uh, Apple has got one of the largest database of podcast reviews, and so many other sites will actually pull Apple Podcast Reviews from it. So when you leave your review on Apple, it's not just seen on Apple, it's seen on so many other different websites, and it really does help uh, to promote the podcast and to get more listeners. So again, thank you so much. Really appreciate that. All that said, I did see a review on Audible, uh, actually of just our Philip Marlowe feed, but over on Audible, Oxana writes, straight gas. This jukebox has an interesting selection. Get this and get it straight. Crime is a sucker's road, and those who follow it wind up in the gutter, the prison, or the grave. 
And I love the review. I loved that in the review, Oksana spelled suckers the same way that I'd spell Mr. T saying it in the 1980s. Love that, and I really appreciated the enthusiasm of the review. Thank you so much, Oksana. Brought a smile to my face. And now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Sean, Patreon supporter since June of 2021. Currently supporting the podcast at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Sean. And that will do it for today. If you are enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And be sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you download us from. Our story continues on Friday. We will conclude this tale of the Fathom 5 matter. But we'll be back tomorrow with Dangerous Assignment, where... You have business here, perhaps? Perhaps. Now, if you'll quit blocking the door so I can knock... You wish to see Khalid, perhaps? Perhaps again, if it's okay with you. You will tell me why you wish to see Khalid, perhaps? You just spoiled your average. Look, I don't know who you are or why you're roosting in front of the door, but... I came here to talk to Khalid, not you. Now, if you'll just get out of my way, I'll... Before you may talk to Khalid, it is quite necessary that I know who you are. Are you his bodyguard or something? You might say that one of my men is acting as bodyguard for the moment. I don't get it, Buster. Hama. Lieutenant Hama. Police Lieutenant Hama. Oh, police? Yes. And now you will tell me who you are, perhaps. Here, take a look at my credentials, perhaps. So... It does not surprise me to meet a United States agent here after the unfortunate incident of the theft of the document. But it does sort of surprise me to see a police detective here. Have you got Khalid under arrest? Let us just say he is being detained for the moment in his house. On account of the document? On account of his wife. What's his wife got to do with it? At present, nothing. Hmm. You see, last night she was murdered. What? I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to... Box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.